what he believed. That's why God used him in such a powerful way. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of Jonah, because flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, this revelation. First thing we see in this statement is Peter had the courage to step out and proclaim something. And because of that proclamation, he was blessed. Jesus said, you're, you're blessed. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because, because of your boldness, there is a divine presence upon you. Flesh and blood had not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has recognized you. And I also say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Not only does God recognize you, not only does God bless you, but God is going to set you aside for a task, an assignment. Something that he has set you apart for. And when the struggles come, and they will come because Jesus says in the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever shall you shall uh, loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Wow. Upon reading this setting, you would think that Peter must have been swelling with great emotion. God was going to use him to change the world. To change the world. All the pieces were in place. Peter was in prime position. He was blessed. He was acknowledged by God. He was empowered to do certain things. He had the tools to fight against death, hell, and the devil. And yet, we find a very different story about Peter. Did he make it? Yes, he made it, but he didn't make it without struggles. Complications. I ask you to set your Bibles aside just for a minute and we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to help us as we receive this word today. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord. Father, you're so wonderful, God, and we know, Lord, that you have blessed this church, God, and that you have divinely intervened in every one of our lives in this church and you have empowered this church and you have given us the keys in this church Lord and we have an assignment God and God we thank you Lord 
We thank you, Lord, for the empowerment to fulfill this assignment that you have given us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. After the day that the great Apostle Peter was spoken these words, he tried his very best to follow Jesus every step of the way. There were things that Peter did or tried to do. He cut off the ear of a soldier and he rebuked Jesus as we heard earlier today, amen. There was things that he did that he thought he was doing right. I think we all fall into that category. Some things that I look back on my life and I wish I could have done differently, better. And so it was with Peter, the great Apostle, and really, all of them. Because just a short time later, Peter denied even having known who Jesus was. What happened in those few, few short moments of time that caused Peter to spiral? Downward. From one extreme to the other. Lord, I'll do anything. And just a short time later, I don't even know who this guy is. You see, in my mind, this the situation in Peter's life is really unexplainable. How did the pressure impact Peter in such a way to deny Jesus so quickly? How do we as people of God go from one extreme to the next? How do people say that they love God so much when they receive the Holy Ghost? I'll do anything, God. And yet a short time later, refused to do anything for God. The Bible doesn't plainly say, but it does give us an inclination as to why Peter was overtaken by the pressure. Because the Bible makes this simple statement that Peter, even though he wanted to follow Jesus, when the pressure came and his own life was at stake, where he had to lay down his own life for the benefit of the kingdom of God, he followed Jesus. At a distance. 
You see, it was around the fire that Jesus, that Peter denied Jesus. And it's always around the fire of life, the pressures of life, where we come to a decision. Am I willing to die? Am I willing to lay down my life for the sake of the gospel? And so the simple statement sheds light on why Peter changed his devotion. You see, while Peter was in close proximity to Jesus in the garden, he was willing to die for his leader, his savior, his master. But the moment that he was separated from Jesus, everything about him changed. His personality, his ability to make wise decisions. And so it is as we look at our world in modern times, we can easily see the great parallel of these two great cultures. Because in these cultures, in Peter's life, just as much as it is in our life, somewhere the church has lost the ability to affect those that are looking for Jesus Christ. It's because our inability to stand up for what is right in our society. And so the pressures of our world, the pressures of our culture, the pressures of our own self-gratification can hinder and limit what God wants to do, how God wants to work through our vessel, praise God. You see, too many people in my thought process, I guess you could say, follow Jesus. They want to be part of the church of the living God. They want to have all the benefits of what God has to offer. But the problem is that they follow Jesus from a distance. They don't know how to get close to God. They don't want to go through the sacrifice. They don't want to die to their own wants and their own desires. You see, I'm of the opinion that somebody Somebody needs to find Jesus and somebody needs to get as close as they can to Jesus. Somebody needs to get a hold of Jesus. Why has the enemy defeated the religious world of our day? It doesn't take much to look at religious leaders as they are falling 
one by one by one by one. Churches, huge mega churches that are established that could have such a great effect on our world today. But because of our culture, praise God, they are falling prey, amen, to the things of this world. Because the desire is not to get close to Jesus, but it's to follow Jesus from a distance. Why are most churches dead and dried up? Well, it's because church service on Sunday morning is their idea of serving Jesus. And it's not good enough, praise God. You cannot serve God on Sunday. You cannot serve God on Tuesday. It has to be an everyday walk of life. It must be something that is ingrained in you, praise God. It has to affect people that are around you every single day. It must be a way of life. It must be. When you look in the mirror, when I look in the mirror, Am I one of those individuals that proclaim with a loud voice, I will follow you anywhere, but the actions, amen, that I portray or that you portray are telling a very different story. I ask you this morning, when you look in the mirror and you see the reflection, what are you seeing What is that mirror telling you? Because my friend, that mirror won't lie to you, praise God. It'll show you every scar. It'll show you every freckle. It'll show you every frown. It'll show you every smile. It'll tell you things that you don't want to know that are there. Because the mirror is the truth. And if you're honest about yourself, when you pick up the word of God and and God begins to talk to you and God begins to show you and God begins to reveal the reflection in that Bible, praise God, are you lining up to the word of God? Are you being real with yourself? And then we wonder why all these bad things happen to me. Why am I going through this? Why all the problems? God never intended for his people to be defeated by their problems. These are things that I've learned from experience. I'm talking about pastor today. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about the things that I've had to persevere through. I'm talking about battles that I fight to this day, praise God. Hey, I am just a man. I go through stuff just like you do, praise God. I am not no rock star, amen. I struggle, amen. I fight every day, praise God. I have to battle the forces of darkness every single day, praise God. If I can do it, you can do it. If you can do it, I can do it. Don't tell me you can't do it. My body aches just as much as your body aches. There's no reason why we can't give to the kingdom of God. 
It takes effort. It takes being in alignment with God. It's ta- it takes being, being in order with God. Praise God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 speaks to me. That screams out at this boy. Because it says, for even when we were with you, this we command you. That if any would work would not work, neither should he eat. In other words, there has to be an investment, praise God. You have to put work into something, praise God. If you want to eat good, if you want to be strong in your spiritual man, you've got to go to the Word of God and you've got to eat things that are healthy, praise God. You've got to eat things that will give you nutrients for your body to grow strong. You can't make it, amen. I'm just believing that you're going to get to heaven. You've got to put work into it. If any man would not work, neither should he eat. Oh, you're going to eat all right. But it's not going to be beneficial to you. You're going to consume all right. But it's not going to be healthy for your spiritual man. He goes on to say, for we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. In other words, you're out of order. This is what Paul is saying. You're walking, you're following Jesus, but you're following from a distance. You're trying to get by, praise God, without anybody noticing, but God notices When you're not in order, you're out of order. You're disorderly. You're not in alignment with thus saith the word of God. When a person is in order, they are in alignment as they are moving in the right direction. There is an action tied to this action. When someone is disorderly, they are inactive. Or out of alignment, therefore their vehicle begins to shake. It begins to rumble. It begins to fall apart, praise God. I have a van out there. We have a van out there. It's it's not functioning. Why? Because somebody had let it go too long. Praise God. And it's just, it's susceptible to breaking down along the journey. And when you're carrying souls along the journey and your vehicle breaks down, when you're not strong enough to carry people, amen, and, 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 and your vehicle breaks down, it could be, it could be, it could be, it could be your children, it could be your family. It could be those that you influence along the journey. If you're not strong enough, if you're not eating right. You're going to break down. 
And God's word is always intended to give you instruction, which is working on your inner structure, the inside of you, your inner spirit, your inner man. And the only way that he can do that is through the word of God. The word of God teaches us to be physical, to get out and work, to make yourself strong. That's why I said at the very gate, praise God, you want joy in your life? Get out and work in the kingdom of God. Make yourself available. Don't make excuses. That's not going to last very long, friend. I'm telling you, I did it. Again, I'm talking about myself, amen, and, and, the, and the stuff I go through of what I could have did and how God could have worked through my life if I would have just submitted to God. In all those years, and I know God works everything out for good to them that love him and who are called according to I get all that. But why do I allow myself to suffer and think back of all those years and it scarred me for life? He goes on to say, working not at all, but busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work. What's quietness? Quietness is isolation. Quietness is working from your home. Quietness is never leaving out from the confines of your house. Quietness is never getting out of your comfort zone. Busybodies. And then Paul says this, Now them that are such we command and exhort our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. When you eat your own bread, brother, you don't grow any at all. In fact, you digress in the kingdom of God. And that's why people struggle. And that's why people uh, fight, praise God. And that's why people are always pointing fingers at someone else. The church needs to do this. The church needs to do that. This, that, this, that. When they can never lift a hand to do it themselves. And that was my frame of mind. If I could just step aside and let somebody else, I'd be totally fine. But it only hurt me. It only hurt me. Because I was eating my own bread. To eat their own bread, they are doing their own thing, meaning they are disconnected with those that are orderly, in alignment, doing the right thing, going in the right direction. But then he says, but ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Those that are orderly, be not weary in well-doing. 
doing. Praise God. Keep pursuing kingdom things. Keep pursuing kingdom principles. And if any man obey not the word by our epistle, note that man. That's a powerful statement. Note that man. And have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Hello? That he may be ashamed or she may be ashamed. Yet, he says, count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Some people are weak. Some people don't know how to get out and fight. Sometimes you got to stand in the gap for individuals. Sometimes you got to be strong for those that can't eat right. Sometimes you got to continually feed them. You got to be with them. You got to struggle with them. That's what love is. Love, there is no barriers, praise God. You don't get upset. You just work with them and work with them and work with them and admonish them and hopefully. Hopefully they catch the vision. Hopefully they come to a place where they're no longer disorderly. Hopefully they come to a place, amen, where they line up with everybody else, amen, and they march for one purpose. They're unified in the body, praise God. They understand their calling, amen, and God is fulfilling his purpose through them. Admonish him. Love him, encourage him, encourage him as a brother. You see, God gave me a promise years ago that if I would make him, if I would, if I would, if I would make him a dwelling place, he would protect me from the enemy. If I allowed him to flow through this vessel. You see, it wasn't always like that. There was a time in my life, amen, when I made God a vacation spot. I went and saw him, amen, when I wanted to, praise God. He was just a part-time lover, if you will. God is not looking for part-time love, amen. God is looking for a place where he can live, where he can dwell, amen, where he can be secure in the vessel. And what is the vessel? It's a vessel of faithfulness. It's a vessel of honor. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for somebody, amen, that makes him a priority, amen, that makes his purpose a priority, praise God. I understand we have family, praise God, and probably the biggest mistake I ever said in this pulpit is let your family be first because excuses come time and time and time. Oh, I got to be with my family. I understand spending time with your family. I do. It's important. But when our excuses to stay away from the house of God 
says, uh, when we excuse it and say, I got to be with my family, that gives us no right to stay away from God's house. It's a lifestyle, friend. I said, it's a lifestyle, friend. When people come to your house, you ought to take them to church. Praise God. That doesn't give us an excuse to stay away from the house of God. They need to see your commitment. They need to see your devotion. They need to see how much you love God. That's what they need to see. They can see fake Christianity all day long, praise God. Not in my house, praise God. You come to my house, we're going to church, amen. Praise God, we're going to serve God. You see, I found myself making excuses. Again, I'm talking about me. So I want to make that very clear. I'm talking about me, this boy. I found myself following Jesus at a distance. And so I've got something to share. Mark 16, verses 5 through 7 says this. And entering the tomb, Jesus is dead. Three days, amen. And here the women are. They're entering into this tomb. You ever found yourself entering into a dark place where there's no life? That's what we see here. They're they're entering into this dark place where there's no life. It's a place where we all find ourselves at. It's situations, it's darkness, it's confusion, it's chaos. It's our world we live in. We find ourselves in this, this dark place and we're looking for Jesus, but... He's not there. And we don't know what's happening because it's dark and we really can't see. And for some reason, God always seems to divinely intercept us and he, 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 he has a word for us in this dark place. Because in this story, the Bible says that they saw a young man clothed in white robes sitting on the right side. I'm glad God always sends someone from the right side. And they were alarmed. They were afraid. They didn't recognize that this was God sending someone, praise God. They they didn't know something different about the presence of God when he enters into your situation, praise God. It could feel lonely and it could feel dark and you could be isolated, but, but when God appears, something happens, hey man. The, 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 the atmosphere, it changes. Something begins to happen. And the man said, Don't be alarmed. You see, there have been many which have tried to follow Jesus. 
from a distance. I'm not the only one. You're not the only one. And God knows. He knows. He knows that you want to be close to him. But he also knows the pressures of life. In hell, it can, it can distort the way you're thinking. It can distort your actions. It can cause you to fall out of alignment, amen, with his purpose. And so God always, always shows up in this place of uncertainty. And God, amen, wants to put you back in alignment. He wants to, he wants to reconnect you. With the body. Because the voice said, Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth. You see, God knows what you're looking for, God knows your need. And I don't care how much you try to run, praise God, from who you really are. You have to see yourself as God sees you. You have to come to yourself. You have to look at the reflection in the mirror. And you have to be willing to say, God, I've did this for so long without you, God. I, 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 I'm in a place of darkness and I don't know how to get out. And so he says, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was, everyone say was. See, your power in God is not dead. It's resurrected. It's alive. It's real. He has risen, praise God. He is not here. See, the place where they laid him, and that's the problem. We put him to rest. We lay him down, praise God. We think that God can never work on our behalf. God can never solve this situation. God does not know where I am. I'm in a place of darkness. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Go. Tell his disciples and pastor. You tell Pastor Torres. You tell him, God has forgiven you. I know you're in a place of darkness. I know you're struggling, praise God. But the God I serve and the one I seek is alive and well, praise God, because he has risen with all power and authority, amen. And praise God, if I stay close to him, amen, I have that power and I have that authority available to me, praise God. I don't have to fall, praise God. I will not fall, amen. God is on my side. And Peter, that he is going before you into Galilee. And it's there. It's there. It's there where you're going to see him, praise God. You're going to see him in Galilee, praise God. You're going to see Jesus if you just go to Galilee. 
You see, Jesus knew that you were going to lay him to rest. He knows your weakness. Praise God. Every one of us have fell into this area of laying him to rest. But he specifically mentions Peter's name and gave Peter a special invitation. You go tell Peter, the one that was boastful, the one that has talent, the one that's a great leader, you go tell Peter to go to Galilee. So why? Why Galilee? Jesus invited Peter to Galilee because Galilee is defined as a circuit. A circuit is a complete path of electrical current. And God wants to give you and me and everybody that has been following him from a distance for the opportunity to get plugged in to the power of God, to be reconnected to the power of God. God isn't mad at you. God is trying to help you. He's trying to reveal some things in you and me. Every one of us, I'm leading the charge have fallen prey at following Jesus from a distance. But the word is screaming out. Go to Galilee. Go to Galilee. There's an open circuit of electricity waiting for you, amen, so you can be plugged into the kingdom of God, so you can be realigned, praise God, for God's purpose, amen, so God can put you back in order, amen. No longer do we have to walk disorderly, praise God. No longer, amen, do we have to be a negative influence. God is wanting us to be effective in the kingdom of God. The only way that we can do that is realize, yes, we might have a weakness about him, but the opportunity that the gospel presents is an opportunity of power, calling, and purpose. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, church. I, I, I told you this message is to me, amen. But if it applies to you in any way,
God has spoken to you in any way. There's a weak part in you in any part of your vessel. God is here to repair. God is here to repair your I love you, Jesus. These altars are open if you want to come to pray. Come on. God isn't mad at you. God is a God of love. God is a God of love. Thank you, Jesus.